party like a marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. You can connect with me on Instagram at LeeBuff or Twitter at LeeBuff21, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Today's conversation features Tiffany Watkins, who is known as Lady Canna in the community. She's a former IT professional working many years as a network systems engineer. She holds degrees in computer sciences and network infrastructure, as well as multiple certifications. Her grassroots campaigning and advocacy goes back 30 plus years. She's been heavily involved in patient representation, harm reduction, public policy, and community organizing. Tiffany works and stays active in the regulated cannabis space as the director of sales and marketing for the people's ecosystem. In 2019, she founded Vanguard Media Online. Vanguard is a media platform and magazine that's dedicated to women in cannabis. She proudly showcases the efforts, innovation, and creativity of all women. Tiffany is a proud member of the board of directors for Affinity Patient Advocacy, where she continues her work in medical cannabis research. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, a podcast dedicated to marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. Today's guest is Tiffany Watkins, known as Lady Canna. Tiffany, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited. Yes, we're excited to have you. Well, first, let's get started. Could you tell the audience a little bit about who Tiffany is, about Lady Canna, about what you do in the industry, and just orient us to you and your background? Sure. Um, well, I'm Tiffany Watkins, and people do know me as Lady Canna. This is for a couple of reasons. It's cute. It's sketchy. But I used to hold some cannabis talks um, for women, and uh, we just dubbed it Lady Canna, and that's who I became. Um, I've been in cannabis advocacy, kind of in and around all things cannabis, uh, for going on 32 years. Whew, a long time. Thank you for um, your work. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, and so advocacy is close to my heart. Um, medical cannabis is close to my heart. And I will continuously advocate for those who, who need the plant in their lives. Um, right now, I am the Director of Sales and Marketing Strategies at the People's Ecosystem, which I absolutely love. We're very closely aligned in, um, you know, not only in how we think the cannabis industry should look, but we're aligned in how we think it should feel and the treatment of people in the space. So I'm very excited to uh, continue my work there. Um, sales, uh, sales background and marketing background has been strong for me in my career as I've built many sales strategies for startups. Um, I originally started in the tech space, moving to fitness, and then, um, and all the while I was advocating for cannabis, but uh, began my third bout of career in the cannabis industry space. So this regulated space that we are navigating. So I'm always excited to talk all things cannabis. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation. And where are you based? And can you explain when you said these Lady Canna talks that they were talks with women, were they in person? 
were they oriented towards what the plant can do? Can you explain a little bit about those? Absolutely. Uh, these cannabis talks, so to speak, um, were in person. This started around eight years ago. So these were in person, intimate conversations. Uh, they invite only, then plus ones, and it just started to grow. But these talks were really basically a cannabis and me. You know, as we were navigating into a regulated space and cannabis was becoming more mainstream, I thought it would be good to have to start to survey what people are really thinking. And I thought, well, let's start with uh, with groups that are typically marginalized, women being one of those groups. Let's listen to you. What what do you have to say about this? And, and how is this affecting your life if you agree or disagree? And I just found that we, I was creating a safe space. And these women were creating and, and harboring the safe space for each other. And we were having open and free conversations about cannabis. Sometimes they were as uh, simple as and, and colloquial as, um, you know, oh, I just started using again, or I, I, I used to smoke in college. Then it became a little bit more serious topics like I'm parenting and my children are old enough to understand what cannabis is. How do I start this conversation? And I just found that we really were, were helping each other. And there was a strong vibe of, I can use my voice and be heard at the same time uh, in these talks. So it was a wonderful experience. And was this in California? This was in California. Awesome. And which part of California? Northern California. Yeah. Sacramento area. Okay. And North awesome. And can you, so you had mentioned that you've been working in the industry and an activist for 32 years. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's a, that's an amazing, an amazing history. Sure. Um, as an activist, I began when I was young um, and I was influenced by those who were already doing all the great work. And the way that I was influenced was uh, it was kind of an eye opening experience. I grew up in a very conservative environment where cannabis was vilified. It must have been, must have been to, to my folks, it was like an illicit drug, like heroin or something. They really didn't make any differences between a plant and these heavy drugs. And so when I first was around anyone that utilized uh, cannabis, I just listened. And what I heard, I didn't like. And I, I didn't like that certain groups were treated differently for utilizing cannabis in their therapies and in their home and lifestyle. And then this was during the, the AIDS pandemic. And many of my friends were utilizing cannabis that had HIV, or they were helping someone who had HIV or AIDS with different herbal therapies, cannabis being one of them. And I was just like, why are these people being treated like criminals, treated like they're doing something wrong for helping them? Where are their freedoms? They were helping themselves, but they weren't free to do so. And I just, why, where can I sign up? Where can I help? And uh, I, I really began working in that, what we call the legacy space the legacy spaces that already existed long before me. Um, I just jumped in and helped where I could. I was young, I was headed to college. And so, you know, at those times it was registering people to vote. It was grabbing signatures. It was doing all the, the boots on the ground, grassroots efforts to uh, help the positions of those who were old enough, strong enough and had enough background to fight. We just helped to, to make sure that they had what they needed. 
And moving forward, um, as I got older and I, you know, started using um, cannabis more, I started using cannabis. I mean, I was probably 16 when I first did, um, but it's starting to understand the therapies of cannabinoids. Um, I just really pressed forward in making sure that everybody understood um, what I knew and what I stood for and partnered with everyone who was uh, interested in pushing forward in that way. So and did you keep going? Did you grow up in Sacramento in that, in that area in California as well? I did. I grew up in Northern California. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's a really amazing career and story. And thank you for, for doing that work. So um, let's get started about some of the lessons you've learned. So I'm sure over 32 years, you've learned a lot uh, about cannabis, about the people and about, um, you know, now the, the regulated industry. So what are some of those lessons that you've learned in the cannabis? I'll say marketing space because this is a marketing podcast, but I'll let you answer that however you want, because we are really focused on um, that storytelling aspect. And you had mentioned that your work at people's ecosystem aligned with um, the conversations you want to have with, with the people who consume and what that looks like. So could you talk about, this is probably a two-part question, what that vision is that you see, and then the le any lessons that you've learned that you feel are, are really relevant for our audience. Sure. Um, I'll start with uh, lessons that I've learned because it really, it ties into what I want to see. Um, the lessons that I've learned um, is that we have to work really hard to make equitable space for people. We do not treat each other with the respect and kindness that is due. And this is apparent in all communities and the cannabis community was no different. Um, so there's been poor treatment uh, of women and other marginalized citizens throughout the, you know, the decades with cannabis. And as we bridged our community into an industry, those poor traits did follow along. So barriers to entry and just, you know, not a seat at the table and all those things are right here and present in today's cannabis industry. It's regulated marketplace. So the lesson that I learned is that if you do not speak up and hold space for yourself, and trust yourself in that environment, then you aren't doing any service to anyone else. And by not standing up for yourself, you are making it even harder for the next person to stand up for, for themselves. And so it is really important and key that we utilize our voices for what we know is right, whether it's happening to us or it's happening to someone else, um, we need to speak up for that. And what I'd like to see is that definitive change where people who speak up to them for themselves do not have to worry about being censored or worry about being retaliated against. Because those are really some of the key reasons why we don't say anything. We forget the poor treatment. We go, okay, that was an isolated incident. Maybe this won't happen again. But really what we're fearful of is what happens when I say something about it? What happens when I start to do something about it? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my endorsement? Am I not going to get that speaking gig because I said too much? You have to say what you have to say. And we all know if we're on their side of right, we know what we're talking about. 
And we know that we have to use our voices to make real true change. And that's what I like about being at the people's ecosystem is that I get to work alongside with people who understand how important that is for our marginalized citizens, women, black and brown individuals and LGBTQ community folks as well. That's so true. Oh, we could do a whole episode on that one. <laughs> yes, um, thank you for sharing that. Certainly. So um, what is some advice you would share with young cannabis marketers or those who are looking to enter the industry and develop um, their own sort of personal and professional brand? Part of that is related to what you said about speaking up and finding that voice for yourself. And I think when you're developing a, a brand, regardless of whether it's personal or professional in this space, you are using your voice on behalf of the plants and those who use it but also looking to find your own unique spin and how you can contribute uniquely to the conversation and the communities that you're a part of. So what advice do you have for those um, looking to get started or who are getting started, but are looking to kind of refine that and develop that further? Sure. Uh, first and foremost, when you enter the cannabis space in any capacity, you have to remember that you're entering a space of advocacy. You are rallying and advocating for a plant that has been vilified for 100 plus years. So you're an activist. Whether you know it, like it or not, you are once you enter the space. So educate yourself. Know what's going on. Know the pain points. And if what your brand or your product or your ideology, if you think that you can solve something, let that be a part of your outreach. Let people know what you've seen, what you feel about it, and what you plan to do. And effectively, you're telling them your reason why. And so you should definitely have an idea of your why before you enter this space. This, the cannabis space is, is unique to other industries because it's one plant, one set of cannabinoids. I mean, there's hundreds of cannabinoids, but this that, that whole group of cannabinoids, this is one thing. And so many people trying to sell it and advocate for it and do it in a multitude of ways. It is important that people understand your why so that they can connect with you, your service, your product, your activism, whatever it is. So if you, you really need to have your feet firmly planted in understanding yourself and why you're in business. I think second to that, uh, my advice is to constantly educate yourself. Things about this industry are changing rapidly and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So we all have to keep up on what's new, what's now, what's next. Because if we don't, we're just, we're very stagnant. So I always let people know if, if I'm asked, oh, well, what do I do next? Keep learning. Never say, oh, I know this because things can change just like that. And they do. They do. There's a lot, a lot to know from the legal and regulatory side, from the scientific aspect, from what's happening in the industry, what's happening in the community. There is a lot. So there's, I, I would totally echo that on the constantly learning. <laughs> um, so I, I want to ask that question too, as well as uh, personal brands. And I know you've touched on this a little bit, but how were some of the ways that you developed Lady Canna? Was, was that organic through the community and these conversations you were having? Or were you, or probably both, but following what you had mentioned of knowing your why, constantly learning and staying updated and having that 
history that you have having been in the space for so long and seen it for so many different angles, taking all that information and, and, and putting it into uh, this persona, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, really when I, at the time, I don't think I saw it as this, I think I just organically acted, but when I look back, I, I see that what I was doing was mirroring some of the people that had taken me under their wing to explain how cannabis really could pair with my life and my lifestyle. Um, learning the, the methods of ingestion, different methods of ingestion from people who had decades of experience was very valuable. And, you know, my wanting to help people to understand how this plant can help them and to understand some of the wrongs that had happened because of the plant, uh, the racisms, the sexisms, I think that that is really where these talks came from. Knowing that I needed to tap into a group of people who were having experiences, but were not being listened to. And that had historically not been listened to. And that we, if we looked into our crystal balls of the future, we're not going to be listened to. And I wanted to create this space where we could just have conversations and uh, really empower ourselves to be able to move forward. What's next? Cannabis is here. It's now, it's mainstream. What are we gonna do with this? And where are we gonna firmly plant our feet as women? And so I do believe that it was, it was very organic because based on my background and based on, on how I like to help people and how I like to use my voice, it was organic, but it definitely was um, giving back to uh, the community that had given me so much. That's, yeah, that's a, a great way to explain it and, and look at it for sure. So speaking of those lessons and the things you've learned over the years, are there any stories or lessons from adversity you have faced that might be helpful to either a young entrepreneur or, or someone getting started? And I always ask this question because there's no, there's no shortage of these stories. It seems like a lot of folks come, come up against them, particularly if you're not in that category of historically been acknowledged or listened to. But are there any lessons you've learned or stories you want to share that have helped you get to where you are today or, or have been a part of, of your story? Um, yeah, you know, and there's been, there's quite a few and, you know, so for me, from when I entered, uh, the workforce and I will say this, um, stand up for yourself. I can't ever say that enough. Um, and you have a right to be treated with respect and if you really feel as if that situation was disrespectful and you're walking away wondering, I wonder, I wonder, it probably was. For me, I remember, you know, long ago when I was in the tech space, I was one of very few women and oftentimes the only woman on the team. And I don't know how many times I've been complimented on things like my sweater or my skirt or um, my lips. And it was highly inappropriate. And when I was young in the beginning, I didn't really you say, oh, thank you, you know, but you know that skirt is, you know, likely a compliment on your rear in the workplace. And you know that sweater is likely a compliment on your bosoms in the workplace. And who knows about anything on your face? So you know that this is highly inappropriate. And it was diminishing. And what I learned from those experiences is that in the moment, you must always say something. The moment you are uncomfortable, say something. 
And these types of things I found not only in tech, I found them in the fitness space, not being taken as seriously as my male counterparts. I've found it in the cannabis space, not really through advocacy as much because we were focused in different in a different area, but in the workforce of cannabis, when we moved into that through collective models and bridging into our regulated space, we're in now a lot of being talked down to, a lot of being pushed into servitude. Oh, can you get us something to drink? Would you mind? Absolutely, you mind. If you're not there and your job is not part of serving the people who are in your group, then of course you mind and you're not going to do that. Even so as recently as a couple of years ago, I have been asked to leave the room while we discuss the financials. When I was clearly there holding the, kind of holding the reins on the financials, I needed to be a part of that conversation. But this one person didn't think that I needed to be like, oh, sweetie, go get a cup of coffee. And so these things have been happening. And at my age, and for as long as I've been working and in the space, we know we need changes. So I would say that, you know, the biggest lesson learned is to always note what's happened, always stand up for yourself when you know that that was disrespectful. And then if you see it happening to someone else, you definitely need to stand shoulder to shoulder with them or stand in front of them and say, no way, no more. Yes, I, I share a lot of those stories as well. And it, it is unfortunate how often and frequent it happens. And I also think speaks to the huge need and um, vacuum we have for, for women in leadership and, and, and really just a new set of leadership and more balanced and equal leadership in, in the industry and in all leadership positions. Um, and, and yes, and I also think to your point, there are women in those spaces, but who aren't being treated as such, or, uh, to your point about the, the story with the financials, um, being respected in, in such a way, even when they are the ones they're doing the work. So, um, thank you for, for sharing that story and reinforcing the need to speak up and trust, trust your gut feeling when those things happen. Um, and it is unfortunate that the, the burden is on, is on you to have to do that, but I, it is those things that over time will start to change it and, and start to switch the, the standards. So thank you for reinforcing that and, and sharing that. So uh, what are you most hopeful for in regards to the future of cannabis and this industry and this space as a whole? Um, there's a lot happening, as you've mentioned, on all sides of this conversation from what's happening politically, what's happening on the ground in our communities, and you know what we're seeing as this sort of license holder grab race for the future as more states start to legalize and uh, more business opportunities come up, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of different ways we could take this question, but what are you most hopeful for in, in regards to cannabis and, and where do you see things going or hope to see things go? Yeah, you know, I think I, I really am hopeful that we can get to a point where we're treating everyone equally, where everyone has an equal shot at this industry. We have the opportunity to build this industry. This is still an infant. We can still mold and shape this industry the way we want to see it. And there are a lot of people out there screaming social equity, restorative justice, we can do better. I wanna see the results of that. I wanna see some accountability. And I'm very hopeful that we 
start to urge towards that very soon. We're doing the work now. We're talking about it. And the work is just beginning, but there's so much left to be done to really truly remove barriers and restore communities and livelihood. There's so much more left to do. I just hope that we will dig in and stay dug in until we see the actual results and that we're not just paying lip service right now. And some of the ways, I wanna dig into that a little bit more about how and the, the next steps for that. Do you really see this as far as the accountability perspective and, and moving the needle forward as starting with policy and starting with um, our, our laws? Because um, that's something I see is more of a conversation. It's happening. We're starting to see that change be implemented, but it, it, sometimes the intention and what happens isn't reflective of the, the results, so exactly. to speak. So how do you see that taking that step? I think that starts with the people. People need to be at large across the country, need to understand what each of these things mean. When we say barrier to entry, we need to make sure that we're all on the same page so people understand what's happening. Because the breakdown that comes from policy is that if it's, if it's discussed, voted in, commented on, we need to make sure that these comments that are coming in and these votes are educated and in the sense of understanding what exactly maybe your vote's going towards or exactly what you're talking about when you start to talk about things like restorative justice. If people don't know the wrongs, how will they understand the solution? So I think that it really starts there. And then the second layer that is account, once that everyone's on the same page and understanding what the solutions are or need to be, then holding people accountable and putting things in place that measure accountability for the actions. If you're going to restore a community, what are your guidelines? What are your timetables? How much money is gonna go towards that? What's this going to look like? And I think we need some strong accountability programs as we move forward in legalization for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, what, so in relation to all of this, I want to talk a little bit about marketing and sales, which is your expertise and how, so what ways do you believe that marketing and or sales can continue to either grow or stall the, the cannabis industry in the future. And I, I say this from the perspective of, of, again, storytelling. So I don't take marketing as literally as advertising and putting out campaigns, but it's sort of the collective of the stories we tell. Um, everyone I talk to who owns a brand or dispensary, everyone wants to destigmatize cannabis and everything. I like to sort of joke and say everything we do in cannabis is marketing because everything, our actions, our words, our everything we put out is saying something, whether we're conscious of that story we're telling or we're not, um, because we are changing that narrative from the hundred years of prohibition. So how, how do you see that communications aspect either growing the industry or, or slowing it down? And, and what are some things we can do about it? Um, I think that that storytelling, that communicative aspect of it is growing the space. We, this community is based on storytelling and lore and passage of message from one generation to the next. That is what the community is built on. So when bridging into an industry, I think that we can expect nothing less and we should cherish it. 
all of our stories, all of the, the anecdotal tales and, uh, you know, these remedies passed on from grandmother, great grandmother and down, um, I think are very important to the marketability of cannabis. So I think that's a, a huge component and that's going to press us forward. Um, you know, marketing is, is interesting in the cannabis space. Again, we're all marketing one plant one group of cannabinoids. And so you could say, we can only say so much about that. So it has to be about more. And the more is coming in now. We have got consumers that are more educated than we in cannabis than we have ever had. And that is going to be very key. You've got another layer of people who demand authenticity when they see your brand, when they see your product, just like the legacy folks that come through. We know that the legacy uh, people that, that come to the cannabis regulatory market and they say, I want to buy this product, they're going to scrutinize that product because they know about cannabis. They understand cannabis. They understand the community. And then now we have another layer of people who maybe weren't from the legacy environment, but they are now almost as educated. Yeah. They want to know about different effects. They want to know about terpene profiles. They want to understand not just the pretty packaging, not just the euphoria. They want to understand the science. And so we have a, a, an incredible opportunity in marketing and as marketers to tap into that and give the consumer what they want and give them the pretty packaging and the lovely environment of cannabis. So I think that, that we're growing, the, the storytelling and, and the folklore is helping to grow the marketing space for sure. And how do you see that working with brands? So, and this is something I like to talk about because a lot of brands, I'll speak with them and I'll, I'll talk to their founder and they have an amazing founding story where the founder you know, had some personal experience or some, um, someone they loved cannabis changed their life and it, it led them to, you know, get into this space and, and start their company to make it more accessible to all. So how can brands develop that? We've talked about storytelling on the individual aspect, but how can brands develop that um, within their own companies and within them, them as an organization and put their story together in a way that the Th that is something that can be communicated effectively to their customers and these different groups, those who are educated, the, the can of curious who may first be starting. How do you, how do you approach that from a brand perspective? Sure. And I understand exactly what you mean. Some, some of these origin stories are amazing. And then you look at the brand and you go, where is it? Yep. Why don't I see that? And a lot of times it's because that amazing origin story doesn't make it far enough down the line. So if, if owner operated, you might hear that story from the person who actually experienced it. But as, it, as the brand grows and the, the reach becomes further, you get further away from the origin. And I think that, that the, the biggest mistake that is made is not making sure that the next levels of your organization understand and can convey your origin. Because then it starts to lose touch. It starts to be marketing strategy and what's best, what's next rather than this is where we come from. This is why it's so important to me. And this is why I created this brand. It's not translated as the ownership level 
rises and there's more in the organization between owner and brand, I think that we, we lose a little bit of that story. So I would say the best way to, to, to combat that is to make sure that those brought into the organization not only understand and know your origins, that they can relate to it and or, and or find a way to relate to it and make sure that all projects convey that message where we come from and where we'd like to be and why we want you, the consumer, involved. Yeah, definitely. And I think that uh, organizations that take the time to outline their mission, their core values, and sort of like write down their North Star in relation to their origin story and where they're going, it also helps them when they're hiring, find better cultural fits and be more conscious of that company culture because they are finding folks who are aligned and they're doing that from the outset. And I think it can attract better talent and allow that that story to carry forward and your team to be a part of the story as the organization grows and, and shifts and evolves. Because it's one thing when it's just the founder and you know some friends and family, but over time and over years, as you get you know more heads and, and more people and the story grows. And so they become a part of the story. But I think aligning that mission, that core values and um, that company culture, if you will, helps take that to the next step and, and take it further and, and keep everyone focused to your point about strategy. It's very easy to get in the weeds with the technicalities and, and what's working. We talk about it in marketing all the time, but what's that core and what's that foundation and, and how do you move it forward? So thank you for bringing that all up. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about where you see things going. I'm sure you've got a great history of over the last 32 years, making predictions, seeing whether it works out, where it doesn't, and kind of riding this, this wave, if you will. Um, but where do you see the future of the cannabis industry going in the, the next year, in the next five years? And I'll let you answer that however you want, either how you want to see it go or where. I know it's a, a bit of a frustrating question. I always get asked, like, when do you think legalization is going to happen? And, you know, who knows? So um, right. I'll leave it open-ended, but where do you see things going um, over time? Sure. I, you know, I see the future as very bright for cannabis. Um, and that is because we've got people rallying behind it. Uh, this plant touches so many lives and does such wonderful things for people, uh, for their body and mind. I think that the only way we can go is up. Now, we do have some caveats, and that is the legalization process. That is the decriminalization, descheduling process. All these, which truly do affect the people, um, I think that moving forward, we're going to learn a lot within the next five years. We're really going to blow the lid off of some things that we we know we want to see changed. And I think that the, the, the groups of people rallying for this type of change um, and equitable treatment are going to really surpass the their voices are going to surpass those who are either uh, neutral about it or against it. We've got a lot of power out there in the people. And uh, it is my intent to do everything I, that I can, along with any organization that's doing it too, uh, to make sure that those voices are brought to the to the forefront within within the next year, if not, um, you know, let alone the next five years. So I see an upward tick in information and education when it comes to this plant and its people and its citizens of the United States, because um, I'm only going to talk domestically right now. 
Um, and so I, I really, I really see that that we are not only are we on to something with gathering a voice and ideology, but we're really going to see the fruits of our labor in the coming years. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I, I agree. I think you're right. The expression blow the lid off in the next five years is is great because um, I think we have started to see it open and crack a little bit, but the momentum is there and, and you're right. There is a lot of power in the, the people and the collective that if leveraged right and spoken right can really, really change things. And we've seen it happen in other spaces um, and it's, it's time. Yeah. Okay, Tiffany. Well, is there anything else you want to mention or discuss related to your work or cannabis marketing that we haven't touched on yet? No, I think we've we've covered uh, we've covered so much ground here. Which thank you, thank you for a wonderful interview. Um, and you know, I th I think I just leave uh, everyone with with this. Uh, definitely, um, use your voice to empower your position, and better yet, use your voice to empower someone else's position. It's always helpful and and useful, and it's the best thing that we can do. Each of us. Yes, I like the, someone referred to it once as sending the, the elevator back down to bring bring the folks below you back up because someone did that for you. So send it back down. Um, and that's how that's how we all get to the top. So to yes, speak. yes, always take someone with you or provide a pathway for them to climb as well. Mm -hmm. And Tiffany, is there any any way our audience can connect with you? Any social media handles or or website information you want to share? If not, we can just throw a link um, in in the episode as well. But want to give you that opportunity if so. Sure, absolutely. There's a couple of spaces where I can be found on social media. I can be found at Lady Kenna underscore official, and also at the People's underscore Tiff. And if you want to find out more about me and my origin um, and some of the other projects that I work on, you can go to vanguardmediaonline.com. Awesome. Tiffany, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Follow us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com. And be sure to join us in person this June 7th through 9th for the annual Cannabis Marketing Summit happening in Denver, Colorado. Check out our website for more details and membership information. We'll see you next time.